thanks for joining us online today at etag.tv. We are excited about this message that is coming up with double portion from Pastor Gary. And we want to thank you for being a part of our online audience. Closing out 2014 and entering in a new year 2015 is an exciting time. And I believe God has a prophetic word for the church, for you, for me, for our church families. As we're looking forward to the coming days, weeks, and months, I believe the coming of the Lord is growing near. And I believe all that is taking place fulfills prophecy. There's a prophetic aspect to what is happening. I want you to listen to this sermon series, and I want you to allow the Holy Ghost to speak through you uh, the Word of God and prepare you for what God has on His timetable. Thank you for being a part of our online campus. We love and appreciate, we esteem each one, week by week. People contact us and people uh, help to sponsor and, and give to support. And it means so much to know that we have so many people in many places of our world that are connected to etag.tv. We want to be a blessing. We want these programs to be a blessing. And I want to encourage you as this program is being shared, as the Word of God is being preached, to be a prayer partner, to be a supporter, and to join with us to get this gospel out. The Bible says, Jesus said, that this gospel would be preached in all the world, and then the end would come. We believe prophetically what is happening. We're getting ready for the return of Christ. Won't you join with us? And we pray that this message will now be a blessing to you. morning we begin part one of a message series entitled double portion double portion how many would like a double portion amen I went through the line on Christmas day and there was some good dressing and I just said I gotta have a double portion amen 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 well, I want a double portion of everything that God's Word says belongs to me. Amen. I want a double portion of His Spirit. As Elisha prayed. 2 Kings chapter 2, we'll begin reading with verse 7. And 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. You've got Elisha and Elijah standing over here. You've got 50 sons of the prophets standing a little ways away watching to view. There's some people that are always going to be on the peripheral and they're watching to see what God's doing over there. Amen. Listen, in 2015, I want to be over there with Elijah and Elisha. Amen. I, I want to be where uh, the chariot of fire comes. Amen. And, and the double portion, the mantle is passed down. Amen. And Elijah took his mantle, and that was his outer cloak, an outer garment. He rolls it up, and he smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went on dry ground. Who does that remind you of? Moses. Amen. I believe there's some typology woven throughout the scripture here. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee. You get close enough to the things of God, and the Spirit of the Lord may just speak to you as it spoke to Solomon, as God spoke to Solomon, as he speaks to, uh, as through Elijah to Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee. 
or I be taken away from thee. Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they went on and talked that behold, appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. It matters who you're hanging around and when you're hanging around. He could have been hanging with Elijah but left him before the chariots of fire showed up. Before the mantle is thrown down. Amen. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither and Elisha now goes over on dry ground. I just believe God's raising up a generation in 2015 that are going to have the anointing of Elijah in these last days. going to pick up a mantle that I believe is is predicted in the word of God. My spirit will rest upon sons and daughters that will prophesy, young men that will see visions, old men that will dream dreams. Upon my handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit in the last days. There's a generation I believe that are ready to pick up the mantle, roll up the mantle and strike the water and see the miracles of the scriptures fulfilled in this day, in this hour. Please be seated. This is, take out a pen and notebook paper or paper there that you can write a few notes on because I've, I've got some things I want to lay the groundwork today for Wednesday night and next Sunday. This is the Jewish year of 5775, 5775. We know we're entering the Gregorian year of 2015. Back in the second century AD, rabbis whole group of rabbis came up and they met and they came up with the current Jewish calendar. They chose as the starting point year one. I had to look back and see when year one, what it represented. But year one on the Jewish calendar represented when Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden. And so they began to calculate forward and they're at year now 5775. 5,700 years since the time that Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden on the Jewish calendar. We do not calculate that way. And there are numerous calendars. Everybody studied a few years ago about the Mayan calendar. And we saw uh, what they were predicting. And, and uh, when the Mayan calendar ended, which is approximately right now, uh, there were no further years predicted. On and on, the uh, other religions in our world have their own calendars. Um, but we, most of the world, has sub subscribed to the Gregorian calendar, which was instituted by Pope Gregory the 13th in 1582. Now, all of this is important for a reason. The Gregorian and the Jewish calendar don't exactly parallel because Rosh Hashanah began in September, September the 24th. Our new year on the Gregorian calendar begins 
in, on January the 1st, midnight, Wednesday night. But there are parallels. And I always want to watch what God is doing because God is a God, listen to this, and you see it from Genesis to Revelation. He's a God of times and seasons. You say, Pastor, do numbers really matter? They matter to God. God is a God of numbers. And he uses numbers. He put a book of numbers. But every number in the Jewish calendar holds an intrinsic value, an important value. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But we believe that God's ways are higher than man's ways. So I'm looking, because I'm an American citizen and I'm on the Gregorian count, I look at this and we honor that this week we begin a new year. And I, I, I testify on this last Sunday of 2014 of the goodness of God in 2014. But I also testify that by faith we're going to see the hand of God, merciful God, this coming year in 2015. But I'm also, because I believe in, in watching the hand of God, uh, that he does work in times and seasons, and that Rosh Hashanah, the new year, 5775, began on September the 24th this past fall. Every year is assigned a value system, an important, uh, important statement that that year is going to represent. That's why I believe it's important that Christians make statement of faith as we go into a new year. Don't be a prisoner of fate. Don't let the new year dictate to you. We're going to claim the word of God. The word of God works. God's laws are higher than man's laws. We're going to declare the truth of God's word over every part of our existence. Kingdom laws take precedence over natural laws. Amen. The word works. The Jewish calendar, and I want you to watch this and get ready to write this down. 5775 is a year of the double portion. All right, look at this. 5775. It is literally the year of double doubles. Five, two fives, and two sevens. All of this is coming together. You say it's all coincidence. No, I believe in alignment and convergence. I, I believe that for those that seek the Lord, as the scripture, as, as the, the Jewish year promises, it will be a year of the double portion of God in our lives. And we're going to decree some things. We're going to decree God's work, His word, and his revelation this week. The Jewish year 5775, the number five means grace. So what do you have? You've got a five beginning and a five ending. How many want your year to begin with grace and your year, year to end with grace? That's grace doubled. Grace is unmerited favor. You may sit here all... Uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning say well grace really isn't that important listen it's important you need the hand of God and the favor of God and I want it doubled up in my life this year amen and so the five and the five represent and literally mean grace in the numerical system of God seven and you've got two sevens together right in the middle of grace and grace means completion it means rest if you begin to look at all the, the, the sevens that are in the scriptures, I could preach a whole sermon and never exhaust all of the sevens. 
Because seven is woven throughout the scripture so many times. Just to give you an idea, when Noah took animals on the ark, how many pairs of clean animals? He took seven. He only took two pairs of unclean animals. Seven trumpets, seven vials, the seven plagues in the book of Revelation, the seven parables, the seven churches. I mean, we could go through sevens that are connected on the seventh day. God rested in creation, seven days of creation. And so seven means rest and completion. It's sandwiched in between grace and grace. I just have to believe that this year, as we enter a new year and we're trying to align our year with the things of God, I want to enter a year where there's grace at the beginning and there's rest in the Lord. Listen, the Bible says there remains a rest to the people of God. If you think you're going to find rest out there in the world and watching as the world turns, friends, there is no rest to the wicked. But there is a rest to people who will seek the Lord. It remains, the scripture says, to those that will rest in him. Grace. Rest, the completion of rest and grace. God is saying something to all of mankind in a year of turmoil, in a year of chaos. If you will put your trust in me, if you will seek me, if you will make me your passion, there can be grace, there can be rest, there can be rest, and there can be grace again doubled up. But it's also the year of the smita. Every seven years in the Jewish economy, there was a Smita year, the seventh year. Watch this. That seventh year represented that whatever they did, if the people sought the Lord that seventh year, then on the eighth year, there would be incredible blessings and favor. Look at America. The two crashes in our economy in the last 14 years were on Smita years. That at the end of the Smita, because of the first one, September the 11th, a few days later, remember when our economy crashed? And then seven years later, exactly on the day the Smita began, a crash again. I mean, the, year of the day the Smita ended, a crash again. It's not coincidence. It's not happenstance. God is a God of times and seasons, and this is a Smita year. And the whole foundation of the Smita, if men will seek the Lord during the Smita, God will favor and bless them. I'm declaring that at the end of this year, we can stand up one year from today, and we can say, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. We can stand up and say, God has been faithful in 2015. But it's all founded on the fact that we're going to seek God first. But not only the Smita. Because you have seven years of seven. Meaning 49. What is the 50th year? Jubilee comes next. All of this is laying the groundwork for the year of Jubilee. What have we got coming on the horizon as far as signs? In March. We've got a total solar eclipse. Jesus said, watch the sun, watch the moon. We've got two blood moons coming this year. 
the signs, the convergence, the alignment, the smith to year. But let me, let me share something else I found while I was studying this week. You've got 5775. We're in a decade of the 70s on the Jewish calendar. And as I begin to study this, this decade is called Ayin, A-Y-I-N, Ayin, the whole decade of 770, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, and we're, it's 75 as far as the decade and the year in that decade. And it means Ayin, that Hebrew word means divine providence, that God's eyes are lifted up. Last year it was Ayin Delet. God opened the tent door. Remember the year of the open door, 2014? 2015 is the year of Ayan Hey, H-E-Y, which means to counter, encounter his presence. That this year there can be an encounter of his presence. That we're moving through the open door and there his presence. That the middle wall of petition has been broken down. That the children of God who will seek the Lord. Friends, this may not mean a whole lot to some of you. But to some of us, we're going to seek the Lord this year. We're going after God this year. I don't want just an open door. Thank God for the year of the open door. It was an open door, and we've declared that over this congregation, and we saw that fulfilled. But I'm declaring A-N-H-E-Y. It is the year of the encounter of the presence of God, and I want it doubled up. Amen. It is the year of the double. So what does all this mean when you put it all together? It means double grace, double rest, double providence and provision, double encounter, double portion of the Spirit, double blessing, but it's all founded if we will seek the Lord. I choose to be among those that seek God this year. Herein lies the mystery of God. If we will seek the Lord with a whole heart, God's going to double some powerful things up this year. You are not a prisoner of the coming year. You can stand in the word of God and you can declare the truth of God's word. And his word does not lie. It works. I was reading again in the book of Job 22 this week. Eliphaz said to Job, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. There are some things that we need to open our mouth and declare over the coming year. Amen. Amen. My family's not going to backslide. My family's not going to lose out with God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I, I don't know what your confession might be this morning, but I've just got a, a feeling that there are some folk in this room that want to stand up and declare that right now God's going to be our covering, that no enemy that comes against us is going to prosper, that every weapon that the, the devil uses and tries to muster, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That the blood of Jesus still works. We're going to decree and declare some things Wednesday night and Sunday. We're going to prophesy over our new year. We're going to make confessions of faith. Pastor, do those confessions work? Yes, they work. Because the word of God works. Tommy Bates stood in this pulpit. Right at the... As we were, and I can't remember, it was the Sunday we began fasting. I have to go back and look. But it was right in that time frame. And when he lifted his hands and he said, this church is going to be like uh, the father in the prodigal story. 
They're going to open their arms and the prodigals are going to start coming in. They're going to start pouring in. I remembered when he said that and it rose up in my spirit. If you believe it, throw a feast in advance. Amen. You just go ahead and have, you know, that's what faith is. You just praise God on credit. Before you have it, you already have it. Amen. Before you see it in the natural, you've already got it in the spirit realm. I'm telling you, uh, we've got the prodigals coming in the doors. You've got sons that have been lost that are coming home. I want everybody to stand and raise your hands. Come on, just stand and raise your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord. Double it up, oh God. Double it up, oh God. Here's a people that are seeking you early in a new year, testifying in the latter parts of an old year. Please be seated. I've got about eight minutes. And I want to lay the groundwork for Wednesday night and Sunday with this. Go to 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 17. Elijah the prophet stands up and he has decreed in the previous three verses the death of Ahaziah, the king of Israel. You have a prophet decreeing that because of the departure of Ahaziah, he sought not the Lord he led the people to Baal worship, and Elijah predicts Ahaziah's death. And it says in verse 17, so he died, according to the word which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead. In the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. I want to lay the stage what's happening in Israel and what's happening in Judah. At this point in time, the nation was divided. The nation was in two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom Judah. Now watch this. Ahab ruled over the northern kingdom. The Bible says he was the most evil king that ever ruled over the people of God, Ahab. He ruled over Israel and he was the worst king in the nation's history and judgment was coming. His son at Ahab's death takes over. Now watch this. Ahab the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat the king of Judah. They have a common enemy. They go to war against this common enemy. Jehoshaphat, we all know, led the people in praising the Lord. He led the people, he put the praisers at, at, in a previous battle out in front and the praisers uh, worshiped God and God said, you're not even going to need to fight this battle, Jehoshaphat. The Lord, he, that's where the scripture comes from. Believe ye my prophets, and so shall you prosper. And Jehoshaphat puts the singers out there, the worshipers out there, and God routs the enemy. A following battle, they go to war together against the common enemy. The king of Israel, Ahab, is slain. But God's hand is still on Jehoshaphat and protects him. So Ahab is slain, and Ahab's son, Ahaziah, takes over. And I want you to watch this because I'm setting the stage. Now go back to chapter 22 of 1 Kings. Jehoshaphat, under the blessings of God and the favor of God, makes ships. He builds a navy. This is right here, verse 48. 
He builds a navy. He builds ships to go to Ophir and to take gold and to bring back gold. Jehoshaphat creates a league with the king Ahaziah. God is not pleased with the league. God is not pleased with the relationship of a king that is trying to lead towards God and a king that is leading away from God. In fact, it says concerning Ahaziah, he knew not the gods of his fathers. He worshipped the gods of Baal only. And so Ahaziah and Jehoshaphat make a league. Well, come on Israel. Now these are blood kin. These are all blood. I mean, we're all same blood. Amen. All Jews. All Israelites. But God still did not want them in a league, in an alliance. In the new year, be careful what alliances you make. Be careful who has your ear. Be careful who private messages you. Amen. Listen to me. The devil will always sit on your shoulder and try to whisper in your ear. And Jehoshaphat allows an alliance to be made. And look at verse 48. The ships were sunk. They were broken up. At Izan Gibar. Izan Gibar. He lost part of his navy, part of his vessels because of an unholy alliance that God did not orchestrate. Ahaziah comes back, the son of Ahab, to Jehoshaphat. Let my servants go with you on the other ships. Jehoshaphat learned his lesson and he would not. You got two kings, Ahaziah and Jehoshaphat. He learns a valuable lesson. Listen, your ship may have sank because of unholy alliances, but you've still got a part of a navy left. You've still got, you've still got some grace and mercy. And you can go before God and Lord, you can deny access to those unholy alliances. I'm telling you, God did not want Judah in alliance with Israel at that point because Israel was representing Baal worship, a, a waywardness of God and from God. And Judah represented people that were worshiping their way into the presence of God and the anointing of God. And, God, and so Jehoshaphat learns his lesson. And I've got a word for somebody. Be, care, be careful of who you have in your alliances this coming year. Jehoshaphat dies and his son Jehoram takes over in the southern kingdom. Watch this. You're about to have north kingdom, south kingdom with two kings by the same name. Ahaziah had no son. So his brother takes over in Israel. Ahaziah's reign was only two years and God said that's enough and Jehoram became king of the northern of Israel Jehoshaphat has a son named Jehoram totally different family totally different son and he takes over so you have two kings reigning one over Israel one over Judah at the same time by the same name Jehoram Jehoram of the southern kingdom goes back and marries the daughter of, Abra, of, of Ahab, Athaliah, who was a wicked woman who led him in the departure as a king of Judah away from the things of God. Jehoshaphat, his dad, had led in great spiritual revival and a move of God. I, I want to tell you, as we approach a new year, be careful who you're yoked with. Be careful who you marry. 
I just wish that I could do some premarital counseling and tell some young people uh, that you need to know that you're getting a, a, a spouse that loves God, that loves the Word of God, that loves the things of God. Be not unequally yoked together. Why is all this important, Pastor? You've given us a history lesson, yes. Because good students of history will not make the mistakes their predecessors made. And if you create alliances, all oh, but their kin, their blood brothers, doesn't matter. They could be leading you astray. And God caused both Israel and Judah to become judged. Now with Jehoram over both, two different Jehorams leading both nations. Israel was about to be overcome by the Assyrians. A hundred years later, Judah would be overcome by the Babylonians and all taken into captivity. There is a high price to pay for low living. You may not hear it in a lot of places, but I'm going to tell you on this last Sunday of 2014, you need to come out of the world and be a separate people. We need to forsake the idolatry of the world. We need to forsake the culture of the world. We are called to be a clean, pure, holy, spotless bride before the Lord. He's not coming for a mixed up bride, a confused church. He's coming for a people that are seeking him with whole hearts. And he promises in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon people like that. I want everybody to stand. Point number two. The prophet Elijah. I focused, or the Holy Spirit had me focus. Some of my Christmas teaching on John. Because he came in the spirit of Elijah. And he was preparing the way of the Lord for the first advent. I believe I can show you scripturally. Spirit that rested on Elijah. Anointing John to go into the wilderness and preach repentance to a generation. Preparing for the first advent. God's readying a people in this hour. That he can rest his spirit upon. A people that will not sell out to this world will not buy into the philosophy and buy into the culture and buy into the depravity. I'm telling you, we're a separate people. We're a holy people. We're a righteous nation, a godly nation, called by God, a holy priesthood, the Scripture declares. God's looking for a prophetic people, the spirit that rested on Elijah, and then a double portion of that spirit. I'm going to show you next Sunday, or maybe Wednesday night. The Spirit rested on Elisha, and double the miracles were performed under Elisha. I believe there's a people God's readying right now that are going to announce the second advent. We're going to declare the coming of the Lord. And there's going to be a double portion of the Spirit that's going to rest on that generation. Amen. If you want that double portion of the Holy Ghost, you want that anointing of the Holy Spirit, to rest upon you. I want you to lift your hands right now. If you want the Spirit of God to touch you, you want the Spirit of God to rest upon you. (sighs) 
It mattered where Elisha was, and it, it mattered where Elisha, who he followed. Elijah told him, you just stay here, and I'm going over to Bethel. Elisha said, if you're going, I'm going. Sort of reminds me of Moses. When God said, Moses, I'm not going any further with these people. Moses said, well, if you ain't going, I ain't going. I ain't going anywhere. You ain't going, God. And Elisha has that same kind of spirit. He says, Elijah, wherever you're going, because I know you're the man of God, I'm going to be right beside you. Elijah tries to say, don't come with me. I'm going to Bethel. He said, no, I'm going to Bethel. He said, don't come with me. I'm going on to, to, to Jericho. There were sons of the prophets at both places. And they, all those sons of the prophets just stood off afar watching get to Gilgal Elisha's still with him we need some Elishas that are going to stay in the fight we need some Elishas that are going to stay in the battle and, and not lose sight of the call of God and the, the power of God and the anointing of God and the man of God and the woman of God there's two people that did not see death in the scripture I'm going to close with this. I want our worship team to come back. The Bible says it's appointed unto all men, every man, to die. And yet in the book of Genesis, Enoch did not see death because he walked with God. And he was not because God took him. So Enoch did not see death. Elijah is the second man in all Scripture. Only two men did not see death in the Scripture. Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind, a chariot of fire, and horsemen thereof. And he did not see death. But to fulfill all scripture, two men have to die in the tribulation. Enoch and Elijah are the most two likely witnesses that will come back and will stand and give witness, and great signs and wonders will follow their ministry their testimony but then they will be slain by the Antichrist but God doesn't put a period there it's just a comma because in three days they get resurrected and translated amen amen I just feel like somebody has felt like there's been a period but I'm here to tell you there's only been a comma and the rest of your story hasn't been written 2015 is upon us and we're going to prophesy to a year we're going to declare to a new year that our God is greater our God is stronger our God is more powerful our God's not finished with us yet our God's going to raise up an army he's going to take some dead dry bones and he's going to breathe life into those bones hallelujah
that part. I'm not going back. I'm going back. I'm moving ahead. Come on, just raise your hand. Make this declaration. We're not going back. We're not going back. My past is over. every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning this last Sunday of 2014 and you need to put some things under the blood of Jesus I want you to move from where you're standing right now I want you to come to the front I want our prayer team our altar workers to come to the front right now but if you want to put some things under the blood if there's unconfessed sin it needs to be put under the blood I want you to come right now if you are not born again if you're a prodigal this is a good time to run to the mercy seat. Amen. Run to the, uh, run to the grace that's being doubled up if you will but respond. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. I want every person with a spiritual need of any kind, I want you to make your way to the front right now. A spiritual need of any kind, I want you to come to the front. But I am calling for every sinner every lost person maybe you're a Christian and you've slipped and fallen this week and you know you need the forgiveness of Jesus I want you to come from where you're standing come on watching online you've messed up this week you failed God this week it's time to repent confess get under the double grace the double favor the double rest got to turn your back on the past God gave me a word this when I was writing my notes out this week this is for somebody you can't change what has already happened you can't change the past but you can change the future you can change the future you can only get forgiveness for the past but you can change the future. You make the right decisions, the right steps of faith. You acknowledge Christ, get the forgiveness of God. On every person with a spiritual need, I want you to make your way down front right now. I want those that are here in this room and those watching that you need to pray. And this last Sunday, you, you just feel compelled to come pray. I want you to move from where you're standing. There are people that need to just pray. I want you to come right now. There are some that want to pray over lost family members and lost loved ones. Nothing more important, I'm telling you, than praying for the family and friends that need to know Christ. I want to open these altars right now to every person that wants to pray for America, pray for our nation to turn to God. 
God will raise up some Elijahs, Elishas, some sons and daughters, some old men that will dream the dreams of God. Young men that will have the visions of God. Handmaidens that will the Spirit of God will rest upon. If this nation concerns you, I want you to come right now from all over this room. Jennifer, lead us in that. I'm not going back. Hey. 